Welcome to Marketing and the Sales Guy, a show where a sales guy attempts to show how smart he is by sharing and discussing marketing ideas with real smart people in B2B marketing. Hi everyone, on the podcast today, I have Julian Lumpkin from a company called Success Kit. What a great name for a company, by the way. Welcome, Julian. Thanks very much for being on the pod today. Thanks, Jeremy. Great to be here. Great. No, it's great to speak to you. Julian, we're going to talk today about case studies. But before we do that, why don't you tell us briefly about Success Kit and kind of what led you there? Yeah. So Success Kit is a small company that focuses just on creating case studies and video testimonials for B2B businesses. And interestingly, what led me there to starting this little marketing agency is my sales career. So I never worked in marketing or created any content before I started Success Kit. I was first a sales rep myself and then a sales manager at a VC-backed tech company. And over the years, one thing that I noticed is that the best sales reps used examples of their own customer success really effectively. They integrated it into their sales process and it helped them sell more naturally and more effectively. And I noticed that a lot of companies had happy clients, but weren't doing a great job documenting them and giving that content to their sales team in the form of case studies or video testimonials. So I started Success Kit to address that need. Fantastic. Listen, you've preempted kind of one of my questions, really, which is just to kick things off. I was going to ask what you meant by a case study, but I think you've answered that to a certain extent already. But is there anything you you want to add? Is there a kind of definition you had in your mind about what an actual case study is and really how that can be used uh, in, in sales and marketing? Yeah, a case study is a customer success story. So it's where you define one client's experience working with you. And the best case studies really tell that story more from the client's perspective than from your perspective, but they can be long, they can be short, they can be written and they can be video. And people use different terms for them, customer success story, customer profile, even testimonial on the video side. But what brings it all together is that it's sharing one client's experience working with you And typically, although it doesn't have to be this structured, follows some version of laying out the problem the client was dealing with before working with you, the solution that you provide, and the results and benefits that they get from working with you. Yeah, sure. So what would be the specific benefits of using case studies, particularly from a marketer's perspective? Yeah, there's just so many... They're so diverse in the way that they can be used. Case studies, uh, I'll give you the main, most important areas that the case studies are used. The first one is just to have them on your website. If you go to any really good or any of the best B2B companies in the world, they all have numerous case studies and video testimonials on their website. Sometimes it's in a page called Our Clients or Case Studies or Testimonials. But it's just adds an element of credibility uh, that cannot be dismissed. So having them on the website is extremely important. 
Number two is to enable your sales team, which like I mentioned is where I came at this from. And we can talk about different ways sales reps can specifically use them. But if you're a marketer and want to help support driving revenue, arming your sales reps with a great repository of case studies is probably short of hand delivering leads, which is really difficult, is probably one of the most impactful things that you can do. Further, case studies can be used anywhere you market. And it doesn't mean just attaching the full PDF. Case studies are the core story, but you can take quotes out of that. You can take the image of the client, the logos. So incorporating it into any marketing campaign, email campaign, ads, customer success stories should be integrated throughout everything you do as a marketer. Posting them to social media is important. So I don't look at it as you take the case study and use it for one channel. It's having your example, having documented all of or many of the examples of how you've helped your clients, you can use those examples in everything you do as a marketer. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great point. Just helping sales out to I me, mean, obviously sales value leads, but I also think in terms of this whole conversation about sales and marketing getting along, I think there's nothing better than providing your salespeople with a case study that's really going to help them sell. So I think that's a really important point. I think it's a great point. Listen, I, I don't want to be negative here, but I, this is my nature a little bit. I'm always interested. Yeah, I'm always interested in the mistakes and the kind of downside of things. So I was wondering, what, what are some of the common mistakes that people make with, with case studies when they're putting a case study together? The kind of biggest, broadest mistake that companies make, and there's a lot of different mistakes that fall out of this error, is they focus too much on their own perspective instead of letting the client authentically tell their story. And what that means is, and what I see is marketers will try to use too much of their own language, hit all of their own points make sure that they talk about all the different products and the solutions that they offer. And that's not what makes a case study powerful. What makes a case study powerful is the client's perspective. I always tell my clients, and we create the case studies for them, I say to them, you can describe your solution more precisely than your clients can. But the way that your clients talk about your solution and how you solve their problems is going to connect better with prospects because your prospects aren't thinking like you. They're thinking like your clients. And that's what makes case studies powerful. And the big overarching mistake I see marketers make when they're creating case studies is they lose that customer voice by over-engineering the case study and putting too much of their own spin on things. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I can imagine that the temptation is there to coach your customer into what has to be said. Uh, but just conversely on that, as is a kind of follow-up, uh, I imagine some customers want some guidance in terms of what they say. What is your experience? Uh, is it the case that you can let customers off the leash and they can pretty much say what they want? Or generally, do, do they need a lot of guidance in, in terms of what they say in, in the case studies? It's a great question. And it really depends on the situation. But I didn't mean to imply that there should be no guidance or structure given. It's using too much of that. So I think that it's about finding a balance. The way that I like to coach my clients on this 
if we're doing it for them, we can guide them on what subjects we focus on, but let them describe it in their own words. So you want to guide them towards what, what you might need to focus on from a strategic perspective and what you want them to talk about. Uh, but then don't take their words and quote unquote, polish it up. So it perfectly aligns with the way that you talk about things, steer them on what you want to talk about and let them say things the way that they naturally say them. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It has to be in their own voice. So that's a kind of a bit of a balancing act. Are there are some examples of what kind of companies use case studies very well. Does, does it apply to all companies or what kind of companies does this particularly work well for? I think case studies can work well for any B2B company, anyone who's providing a business service, a technology solution, a SaaS product. Uh, you probably already know case studies are important. And the companies that do them well, I think, is really good proof of it. Because if you look at the very best B2B companies in the world, whether that's the largest companies in the world or the fastest growing kind of startups, they all have and use case studies really effectively. So if you go on Microsoft websites, for example, they have hundreds of case studies organized and uh, categorized by what's most important to them. Uh, Salesforce is another example that comes to mind that from early on, they really prioritize making great case studies from the very beginning and use them to help facilitate their growth. It shows how valuable it is that every single great company has great case studies. The opportunity is for small to medium-sized businesses that aren't necessarily doing this as well. And that's where you see a lot of companies, and I talk to them all the time, that have tons and tons of happy clients but very few or even no case studies. And they can get a leg up on their competition that might still have no case studies or few case studies by putting the appropriate attention towards them. Yeah, that's just another question just popped into my head. How would companies go about getting case studies? For some companies, that might be a problem in approaching clients. Or is your experience that clients are open to this? Yeah, there are certain industries where it's very difficult. If you're in cybersecurity, it's going to be difficult. If you're serving financial institutions, it's going to be difficult. Government clients are difficult. The larger the corporation, the harder it is, usually. But some will always be open to it. So there's a few things I'll note here. The first is you just have to ask. So I have clients that they have... 50 clients, and they get 48 of them to participate in a case study. And that's great. I have other clients that have 100 clients and have to ask all of them and only get five or 10. For each company, there's going to be a different percentage. And you just have to ask your clients. The other thing that you want to make sure to do is make sure that they understand that they're going to be the hero of the story. You can't write a, you don't want to write a case study where you make the client, your client, seem helpless and hopeless until they found you. It's they're struggling and working on something. And then you came in and helped them solve a problem or capture opportunity together and achieve results. So you want to make them part of the process, explain that it's going to be an easy, simple process, that you're going to let them review the content, that you're going to make them look good. And if you do all of those things, some of your clients will participate. It depends on your industry, the size of your clients, what, what those percentages are going to look like. Yeah. 
Uh, so uh, just digging into this topic a little bit more, what would you say are the, the key elements of a good case study? Is there a way to break down a case study? Are there some elements that they all need to have? Good case studies can get a little creative, but there is a very tried and true general kind of structure uh, to a case study, which is that it starts by describing the problem that the client has or the situation that they're in and where there's either a problem or an opportunity, uh, perhaps how they've tried to solve it, why it's important. Then the solution, how it works, what if it's a technology product, how it works, if it's a service, how they work with the client to solve that problem. And then finally, the results and benefits. These can be numerical in certain cases where it's like achieved a very specific result or just specific things that aren't numerical for how they've improved. Those are the general key elements that the vast majority of case studies should have. Yeah, no, that's really useful. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, just, I guess, related to that then, if those are the key elements uh, of, a, of a good case study and a lot of people follow that kind of structure, how would you make your case study distinctive and and stand out from everyone else's? If everyone's following that kind of methodology, what would you recommend to include or, or the approach that would make yours jump out and be a little bit different to everyone else's? I think that very high level structure can remain in place. And it's all about how you present those elements. So for example, one of the, one of the, aspects that is missing, I say it first, and I think it's most important, but not all companies do it, is to focus more on the problem that the client had. So results and metrics are great. Don't get me wrong. When put in the right context, they're really powerful, but they're not, in my opinion, as powerful as a lot of marketers think they are. We are constantly bombarded with people telling us, you can save 15%, you can save 20%, reduce costs by this, increase revenue 22%. It's just not as, in, until it's put in the right context, it's not as powerful as people think that it is in this day and age. What I think companies can do to really make their case studies stand out to their prospects is by really focusing the case study and in terms of the summary and the title and what jumps out about the problem that the client had before working with you instead of the results. The results are an afterthought and they're if they're there, they're great, but they're there after the context of the problem is brought out. Because if you think about the way your prospects are thinking, I don't think that they're going to be that moved by hearing 10% increase in revenue, but they are thinking about their problems. And if you can write a case study that really describes effectively the problem your client had before working with you, that is going to stand out to the prospects that also have that problem. Yeah, so it's, it's really all about, as you said from the beginning, storytelling. Uh, I guess the key thing is, uh, how do you create the compelling narrative? Are you dependent on the customer being able to tell a good story? Or is that a case of you being able to weave a good story out of out of what they've told you? I don't think you can rely on the customer to help with the storytelling aspects. I think you really have to be able, it's really about asking the right questions 
um, I think is really the answer to that. So it's some combination. They're not going to show up to that interview with this great story. Um, and similarly, you're not going to be able to take what they said and just weave a great story. So I think it comes down to your ability to ask questions in the interview. And I liken it very much to a sales process where you have to ask questions that dig deeper. If you ask surface level questions in that interview and then move on, you're going to get surface level answers. But anyone who's been in sales know that when you ask a question, you're going to get an initial answer. And then asking follow-up questions that get the client to expand on the why it mattered, how it maybe things like how did that make you feel? How did that affect you? How did that affect the business? What did people in your organization say about that? Questions like that, they get the client to share what really is the important story, which is how that problem was really affecting them and their organization and why it mattered. And using that, you can weave together a compelling story. Right. It's interesting what you said about metrics and kind of proof points and i i agree with you to a large extent uh, there's an overemphasis on figures and it's not always that impressive when you hear percentage uh, figures uh, etc but you were talking about the sales process and following the sales process it's one of those fundamentals now that you have to have some kind of proof points are you suggesting it's not really that essential for a case study or, or it is it isn't just a nice to have, or, or is it something you think is needed? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it can vary situation to situation. And I definitely don't want to sound like I'm saying it's not important. My point is that it's not, I don't think it's as powerful to lead with. The metrics are powerful when they are in the context, when the reader understands how they were achieved so that they can really relate them to their business. So metrics are great. I just don't think it's as powerful as it used to be to lead with those metrics. I think they should be described and focused on after the problem is really laid out and focused on more. Now, you can write a great case study without a specific metric at the end. We always aim for it and is good. And in some situations, it's totally crucial. But in many situations... Just having the client say, instead of, oh, this saved me 12%, sometimes they're not able to, don't want to, or for whatever reason is not going to be possible. And that doesn't mean you can't write a great case study. If you can lay out the problem, how you solved it, and get the client to give a quote, I am confident this led to a significant cost savings in our organization, that is great. And it's powerful. And I think the overemphasis on thinking that you can only write a case study if you have a great metric or data attached to it is simply not true. Yeah, no, listen, that's a great point. And I do agree with you. If I may, sorry to interrupt, but to, to just reiterate this point, because I think it, it put yourself in the case study subjects shoes. And it's like getting down to the reality of things. Like think about your favorite vendors, right? Companies you like, people that you work with. Can you give a percentage increase to every single one of them, you can't. And going through this idea that it's only valuable if you can directly tie it to a specific metric, I, I think it's just not authentic because it's not the way that people think. Sometimes you can, sometimes it's clear, but if, but if you recognize that you can't tie very specific metrics to every single vendor or product you like, 
that doesn't mean it's not valuable and not powerful to share your story about them. Then you can understand why in case studies, it really doesn't totally need to have that metric attached to it. Yeah, listen, I think that's a fantastic point. I I really agree with that. Uh, And in some senses, I think when you read a lot of case studies and they all have metrics in, there's something that's not authentic. Um, So yeah, I I take your point. I I think there's a lot of success uh, that's achieved in a relationship, in a business relationship, and you can't always measure it. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. And it just depends on the solution. There are some that are, if you're offering a something like, a chat bot to add to the website. I looked at a lot of those case studies. Then a metric is going to make sense because you're going, but it's not powerful unless you can directly show that it increased conversions. But other things that integrate into many different systems within the organization and solve super complex problems don't follow that. So you really have to look at your situation. And, and it all just comes back to asking your clients. If your clients over and over say, hey, I really like this, but I can't put a metric to it. It's okay. You don't need to obsess over it. You can move on and and just get them to instead say something very direct. I am confident that this directly led to an improvement in XYZ function. Yeah, no, listen, I agree with a lot of what you said there, which makes my next question a little bit unfair because I'm going to ask you, yeah, how do you measure the success of a case study? Yeah, there are definitely ways. And I think it really depends a lot on the most important use of that case study. So if you're trying to drive traffic, you can look at clicks and conversions, but oftentimes it's going to be less data-driven and more looking at talking to the sales team. Are you using this? If your sales rep, your sales reps will tell you which case studies they're using consistently. And if they're consistently using a case study in their sales process. Um, that's a success, no matter what the metrics say. Um, so the, the, those are the the two most important ways I would look at it. The case studies have been around for for a while. Uh, people may have used them, or they may not. But is, is there something new that's happening with case studies, or? something that not everyone will be aware of uh, with case studies, that, particularly with case studies that you're working on? Yeah, it's a great question. I wouldn't say this is brand new, but over the last few years, I think the like a lot of marketing content, the trend is to have them, what's so important and what a lot of great companies are doing well and we're doing for our clients is getting them into every format imaginable. And it's not just a matter of just like chopping it up and saying, okay, here's a short version, here's a long version. It's really looking at the specific channels you're using and then turning the case study, creating a version of the case study that specifically meets that channel. Maybe five years ago, you could just post a PDF to LinkedIn and you were doing better than most of your competition. But now you want to look at LinkedIn and say, okay, what are the, what's getting views? What's the most appropriate format for LinkedIn? And our opinion is typically audio focused, some graphics on the screen, 30 to 40 second version. If you are on Facebook, maybe that's a 10 second version. If you are using uh, case studies in your sales process, and maybe it's a PDF, maybe it's a landing page, and maybe it's having some slides. So I think what companies are now doing is taking one success story and creating multiple versions 
based on each individual channel. Yeah, no, listen, that's that's really interesting. Julia, let me ask you a little bit of an unfair question. And I know it's going to depend on the audience, really, but I, I just really want to ask, do you have a sense of what kind of case study works best, whether written performs better than video, for example? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I have a lot of thoughts, but I cannot give you a direct answer of one is better than the other. And it's interesting because I think it relates really well to what we were talking about, Jeremy, right before we started recording. You were saying, and this is a really good example, how you love to listen to podcasts and audio and don't like to read so much anymore. And I can have a different conversation with someone else who will talk about how they're sick of podcasts, don't like to watch videos and like to read. So the way that I think people need to approach case studies is recognize that everyone has different preferred ways of digesting information. And your success stories are so powerful that you want anyone coming to your website or engaging in a sales process with you to be able to digest and learn about your success stories. So you need to provide it in both or all of those formats so that they can learn the case study or learn the story in their preferred method. And this is a mistake I see marketers and company owners making all the time, which is that, for example, they only like to read or mostly lean towards reading. So they, they think that written case studies are the best. And then a day later, I'll talk to another founder that likes to watch videos and she'll think that video testimonials are better. But it's very obvious that hundreds of people are going to come to your website, hopefully thousands and tens of thousands. People are going to have very different profiles of how they like to digest information. So to focus on just one of them is going to leave a lot of people out. So you need to have the case studies in multiple formats. And the good news is you can do them by in, in a combined process. If you're taking the time to do a written case study, whether you use video or just audio, you can put that into different formats uh, so that you're not reliant on just one format. Yeah, no, listen, that's a very fair point. Thank you very much, Julian, for being on the pod. I felt I know a fair bit about case studies, but it was really interesting talking to you. And I learned a lot from this particular discussion, and I'm sure our listeners did as well. So really want to thank you very much for being on the pod. And I just wanted to ask, really, what is the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to find out more about what you do? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me and asking such pointed, great questions that really get to the interesting aspects of case studies. If anyone wants to find me and, and what I'm working on or needs help with their case studies, they can find my website at successkit.io. I am also active on LinkedIn. Pretty easy to find there. My name is Julian Lumpkin. So if you just search for Julian Lumpkin LinkedIn, follow me and uh, reach out if you have questions uh, or want to connect. That's great. I'll definitely put some links in the notes. But uh, once again, Julian, Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. So thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, do share. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you want to access other podcasts and related articles, you can visit us at omjmedia.com. That's omjmedia.com. 
Until next time, bye-bye.